And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. We live in a finite world, a world that is bound by time and space. When God came to this earth, he came to a people that were finite in their thinking. A world that measured right and wrong by nationality and position. A world that measures everything on a spreadsheet of wins and losses. Even the closest followers of Jesus, his disciples, waited for the moment when he would overthrow the Romans and drive them out of Palestine. The crucifixion interrupted their thinking, but only for a moment. The resurrection of Jesus resurrected their belief. The first chapter of Acts records their finite thinking. As they gathered on the Mount of Olives and Jesus was preparing for his ascension to heaven, they knew that time was short so they could not hold it back any longer. They asked Jesus, will you, Lord, at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Jesus responds very abruptly, revealing the difference between an infinite God with an infinite plan. He states emphatically, It is not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. They were disappointed. But as they trudged back to Jerusalem, empty and broken, they began to move to a place in their minds that would usher in the Holy Ghost. They moved from finite thinking to infinite living. They moved from hurt to hope, from pain to purpose, from fear to fulfillment, from crisis to an eternal cause. If fear has caused us to disconnect from an infinite God, this is the season to reconnect. If uncertainty has forced our finite thinking into a defensive posture, we choose to break those chains. We come together as one army, united for a cause bigger than ourselves. We join our voices together the cry and the shout in the temple connected by the common denominator of Holy Ghost power. We shake off the dry bones of disappointment and despair. We choose to live. We choose to breathe. We choose to worship. We reject the finite mindset of competition and scorekeeping. We choose the infinite wind of power purpose and impartation. We come together under the banner of the name of Jesus, whose kingdom is without end. We come together in this WINS conference, millennials and young ministers, to reconnect to the majesty of the risen Messiah.
I'm breathing, oh yes, I'm breathing. I'll bless the Lord as long as I'm breathing. Oh yes, I'm breathing. I'll bless the Lord. Oh, somebody lift your voice in this room and say, I will bless, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually, no matter what I feel.
is something about singing about the goodness of God. There's something about singing how God has brought us through, how God has been our provider, how God has been our help. There's something special about the name of Jesus. Can we lift our hands all over this room and let's just begin to worship the name of our God. We love you, Jesus. As we welcome in this event this week, we just want to say, God, there's something about your name. There's something about your name. Come on, let's sing it out. Over every heart and every mind. Yeah. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. Starts to break. There is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus.
we bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Shine through the shadows. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, come on, let's lift our hands and our voices unto the Lord. Hallelujah. We exalt the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we speak your name over every situation. I exalt you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We welcome you tonight to the Winds Conference. We're so glad that you are here. Let's give this worship team a big hand. They've already led us into the atmosphere of the Almighty. You may be seated and thank you for standing. Ezekiel 37 and verse 3 says, And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a noise And behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon the slain that they may live so i prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood up upon their feet and exceeding and exceeding great army oh hallelujah i believe there's an army in this house tonight an exceeding great army apostolic millennials my subject tonight is the bones of man and the breath of God in Ezekiel 37 the Lord willing to show Ezekiel an object lesson of what he wanted to do with the nation of Israel took him to a graveyard and asked him a rhetorical question can these bones live Ezekiel said thou knowest That was the safe answer. The Lord told Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones and tell them to come together. And when they come together, I will send breath and they will live. The breath of life that would come from God was predicated on the bones coming together first. There must be a commitment on our part for God to do his part. There were two prophecies in Ezekiel 37. The first one was to the bones, to the humanity, to all of us. Come together. And when we come together, then the breath of God will blow. And life will be restored and renewed. We are the bones. And without God, without his breath, we are simply marking time. 
But there is a principle in the book of James that says faith without works is dead. Being alone. Faith without works is dead. Being alone. James mentions this principle, this close proximity between isolation and death. Being alone, it was dead. And so he states it, not as a question, not as an uncertainty, but as a matter of fact, as if it was common knowledge. If you want to live, you got to come together. That even faith, as powerful it is, it's got to have works and works has got to have faith. A friend of mine is a cancer overcomer. He told me that he just had his six month checkup and they said he was all good. The oncologist explained his cancer to him in a unique way. He said, right now, we have the cancer scared because we've hit it with radiation and chemotherapy, so it is hiding. The doctor continued, it is still there, but it's just afraid to show its face. So every six months, we've got to scan and see if it's trying to come back. He said, after five years, if we have not seen anything, it's gone. And you have a clean bill of health. Because, and this is the statement I haven't been able to get away from. If it hides long enough, it dies. If it hides long enough, it dies. Apostolic millennials, I declare to you tonight, we refuse to die in isolation. We refuse to die by ourselves. We come together, arm in arm, linked together as the army of God's people. I was interested in this principle that if something or someone is forced into hiding long enough, it will die. If we can force sin into hiding for five years, does it lose its grip on us? Can we make sickness or the spirit of infirmity hide through prayer until it dissipates? If we, you and I, hide long enough, do we die? And if all of those things are true, is the contrast also true? If we stay together, if we stay connected, do we increase the possibilities that we will come alive again? I say yes, yes, yes. The breath, the wind would not have happened unless there was a coming together of the bones. But when you and I rise up and make our way to the house of God and come together in one mind and one accord and the breath of God blows. There is nothing that can stop God's people united with the holy breath of God. There is a prophetic wind that is blowing, but it seeks for the unification of the body. When we reconnect, we release the breath of God and life is restored. If isolation brings death and infirmity, then connection and agreement brings life. God is wanting to use the church to restore a covenant of life with humanity. The spirit that we possess, ladies and gentlemen, is the spirit of life. It is a resurrected spirit. And the unity of the church brings the power of God. The bones of man coming together with the holy breath of God. And anything is possible. This principle in scripture is buttressed by more than just this conclusion. Matthew 18 and 16 says, In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. 
Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. There is a credibility when there is at least two in agreement. There is an atmosphere of life where two or three are gathered together. The absence of a single soul or the absence of isolation brings the presence of God because he brings the presence of life. And when he brings the presence of life, everything else has to dissipate. If solitary is synonymous with death, then unity is synonymous with life. If two or three are gathered together, if two or three are in agreement, something will begin to live. Something will begin to grow. We come together in this conference, not just to gather, but we come with the spirit of expectation that as we reconnect to God and we reconnect to each other, that the wind of life will fill these lungs and a mighty army will rise up. I feel an army arising, an army that declares that we will live and not die, an army that stands for demonstration, restoration, impartation, and unity, an army of millennials and ministers. Ezekiel said as he prophesied to the bones that several things happened. Just as the Lord had instructed flesh to come upon these bones, it happened. The very thing that God had prophesied. Ezekiel says the sinews and the flesh came up upon them and the skin covered them above. We come to this conference for the purpose of equipping and empowering. We are thankful for information and we are thankful for inspiration. But the bones of information need to put on the flesh of impartation it's not enough to just know about God you've got to experience God it's not enough to just read about it you've got to get in the holy breath of God and let the wind of his power change you from the inside out We got to put some flesh on these bones by digesting doctrine and biblical principles and making a commitment that we choose to live for God. We choose to live for God. We know what we believe and we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The bones came together. There was a great noise. There was a shaking. This is similar to what happened in the book of Acts. First of all, there was a great noise. We come together to make a joyful noise unto him. We do not come together to sit in solitude and contemplate the mysteries of the world. We come to rejoice. We come to shout. We come to lift our voice. David said in Psalms 35 and 10, All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee. Ladies and gentlemen, these bones can worship. These bones can shout. These bones can sing the songs of Zion. We make a joyful noise. Not for the sake of creating 
some artificial environment of victory. But for the purpose of reminding the enemy and our flesh that we are not dead. We are alive. And if death is silent, then life is loud. If death is silent, then life is loud. We don't apologize that we lift our voices unto him. As you move toward life, you get loud. When a baby is born, it makes a noise. There is a cry of life. When we shout unto the Lord, we declare life. We declare victory. And I want to say tonight that we come against the culture of quietness. I said we come against the culture of quietness. We reject the notion that spiritual laryngitis is somehow spiritual enlightenment. Oh no, my friend, we lift our voice because we serve a mighty God and He is worthy of the praises of His people. We don't apologize for an apostolic environment. We shout in anticipation of the wind. We shout in anticipation of the wind. Ezekiel said that there was a shaking. Acts 4.31 says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken, where they were assembled together. You see the pattern? And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. God responds. And they spake the word of God with boldness. All of those things happened because they came together in one mind and one accord. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a shaking when we come together. A shaking upsets the composure or the composition of the status quo. When the people of God that have been redeemed by His blood and baptized in His name and filled with the Spirit come together, it shakes up the status quo. We not only reject spiritual laryngitis but we also reject spiritual paralysis I said we reject spiritual paralysis Goliath was able to freeze the entire army of Israel so that they were paralyzed and could not move there is a mass paralysis of fear and confusion that wants to keep tying up the army of God the haze that settled on their minds in Israel is not that much different than the day we live in today when our identity can be blurred by the haze of our culture but we refuse to be paralyzed with fear we choose to disrupt the composition of business as usual is there anybody in this house that's ready to say I'm ready for God to shake me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet it's not business as usual and we are not in a defensive posture this is the day that the Lord has called the church to step up to the forefront to come together 
despair is defeated. Death is robbed. Ooh, four years ago, nearly 40 people from East Wind, along with evangelist Charles Robinette, Marcus Baptiste, and Riley Martin, and others were with us in Haiti, returning late at night from our crusade site in St. Mark, Haiti. We were trying to return to our hotel after we had seen more than 150 people receive the Holy Ghost. And as we would begin to encounter one roadblock after another, as armed bandits hiding in the darkness were barricading the road so vehicles could not pass, we had passed through three different barricades without incident. But eventually we came up to a roadblock of boulders and concrete obstructions that we could not pass. We were four vans that were all trying to stay together. And we had a friend with us by the name of Jordan. And he was our security guard. He also serves on the presidential detail of the country of Haiti. He was riding next to me and next to Brother Robinette in a convoy of four vans. When we came up to this roadblock that we could not pass, there was a wall on one side and there was a large embankment on the other and Jordan ordered the vehicle to stop and for everyone to remain in the vans as Jordan stepped out of the van with one of his nine millimeters in his hand he approached the barricade and with his pistol drawn he started to try and to remove the obstacles when shots begin to ring out from both sides of this ambush that these four vans were in we had men and women we had boys and girls but we had something greater we had the power and the protection of the Holy Ghost the dust from bullets hitting the boulders around Jordan sprayed in the air as Jordan ducked and weaved while returning fire and trying to move boulders the whole time under an attack as shots rang out. Bullets and large rocks were coming at us from both sides of the street. We were in an ambush late at night. Rocks crashing into the side of the van. Bullets ricocheting off of the van. Brother Robinette was sitting next to me and he tried to get out of the van. I said, where are you going? He said, I've got to go help Jordan. I said, you are not going to get shot. I am not going to have to tell Sister Stacy that you died in Haiti trying to be a hero. You are staying in this van. He would not listen to me, so I had to sit on him. Once I did that, he couldn't move. Another van where my sons were had a driver that as soon as he heard the shots fired out, he turned his van around and was going to flee. And one of our brothers said, where are you going? And the driver said something. He said, no, no, you got to turn back around. We've got to all stay together. That driver knew what would happen in this kind of an outcome. He was running for his life. He was going to flee the scene, try to turn around and go back. But no, they all stayed together because something happens when God's people stay together. Somehow Jordan was able to move enough of the obstacles so we could pass. All four vans passed without anybody being shot or hurt. After a few more miles, we arrived at the hotel. By this time, it was after one o'clock in the morning. And Jordan said to us, when I turned from the boulders and I looked back at the vans, he said, I knew that your God would protect you because he said there was a large shield that was over all four of the vans. And he said, as the bullets were coming in, I could see them ricocheting off of the Invisible shield. Oh! 
It's not business as usual. We've got a God that's greater than any situation. We begin to worship and thank the Lord. And out there in the parking lot, Jordan received the Holy Ghost and began to worship the Lord. He said later, he said when that brother, he was referring to brother Marcus Baptiste who's here tonight. He said, when that brother put his hand on my head, he said, I felt fire go all through my body from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. God used that man to help us that dark night in Haiti. And Jordan is with us tonight. Jordan, I want you to come up here. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. I love you, buddy. Jordan stands outside the door of the president of Haiti. He guards him while he's asleep. Several months ago, there was a plan put into place to assassinate the president of Haiti. It was a plan that involved inside forces and outside forces. They knew that as long as Jordan was standing there on the outside of that bedroom, they would not be able to get to the president. So supervisors told him, it's time for you to take some vacation time and go to New York City. He went to New York City to visit his family. And while he was in New York City, they took the president's life. But they couldn't do it while a man standing outside of his door filled with the Holy Ghost was on guard. Oh, my friend, the enemy would like to remove you and take you out of the picture. But I've got a God that's restoring the covenant of life and says not so fast, not on my watch, not now, not in this place. he returned back to Haiti they said we want you to be in charge of all of the security forces he is now in charge of all the security forces for the interim president of Haiti I truly believe with all of my heart that there's a splash over effect there's a splash over effect when God's people come together Oh, my friend, it's time to isolate the opposition. And it's time to reconnect with our brothers and sisters. It's time to isolate the spirit of infirmity. It's time to isolate the spirit of fear. We isolate the spirit of despondency. We stand on the wall. We stand shoulder to shoulder. If God be for us, who can be against us? Come here, Brother Robinette. Come here, Brother Marcus. I want you to pray for Jordan right now. And I want all of you to turn. And I want you to begin to pray for one another right now. And I want you to pray for an impartation upon your brother or your sister. And say, we pray like never before, Lord, that the covenant of life would be renewed and restored. And that the breath of God's holy power and presence would come because your people have come together under the banner of the name of Jesus. That's it. Turn and begin to pray for one another.
connect and reconnect uh, through prayer, through worship. Come on, let the wind blow. Let the breath of God rattle these bones. We refuse to die alone.
beautiful congregation you are this wonderful first service of winds conference 2021 as you can head back to your seats uh, you may be seated i want to just take a moment as we get ready to hear some wonderful more preaching from brother jerry jones in just a moment we have anticipated this evening so greatly tomorrow just briefly i want to remind you first thing in the morning 10 a.m that's not first thing in the morning for most of us but it is early in the morning for some of you at 10 a.m victor jackson will be waking us up with a powerful word from the lord followed by brother landon gore another dynamic voice for this hour and you do not want to miss that following that is one of the things that makes this convention unique we have a panel i like to call it an afterglow in which the speakers who have just preached are a part of another panel 
and they're able to address subjects that move from just the theoretical to the practice of what we have proclaimed. And so you do not want to miss that. Following that, all registrants will be having lunch together. And we always look forward to breaking bread in an Acts 242 fashion. If you would direct your attention forward, we have something to expand your vision with regard to the winds conference when this convention was birthed there was there were the core values of restoration impartation unity and that that glorious ways of god coming through in our midst and one of that is knowing our purpose and our mission we know giving is part of our mission And yet we do it not out of a sense of burden, but a sense of purpose. Therefore, if you would please direct your attention forward, we want you to consider a great purpose for giving tonight. Anthony Trimble won his battle with cancer and transitioned from this life to the next. There are so many things about Anthony that were just extraordinary. Things that we have talked about over the last few months as we have honored him, his life, his legacy, his ministry. One thing that stands out to me about Anthony is that he was a giver. Everything that he did, he poured himself so passionately and so completely into it. Whether it was as a husband to Lysandra or a father to Kingston and Davis and Graham, or as a preacher, as a worship leader, singer, and songwriter, he gave of himself so completely. He invested himself completely into his life, his ministry. Anthony was a giver. We have an opportunity to continue to honor the life and the legacy of Anthony Trimble by returning that investment, by giving and supporting the things that he loved the most. We've set a goal of $300,000 to create a scholarship fund in Anthony's name and also to help pay off the home that he and Lysandra are building. We'd like to make an investment by giving 
supporting, loving. We're committed to continuing his legacy, to live like Anthony. We're committed to investing in the things that he loved the most. And we invite you to join us, to partner with us. I believe together we can accomplish this goal and together we can make a difference by giving. Like Anthony, he was a giver and we invite you to give with us. Many of you knew, that's right. Many of you knew, or shall I say know, Anthony Trimble. He was a dynamic singer, songwriter, worship leader, and if you ever spent any time around him, it would never be a heavy day. It didn't matter what he was facing. And the legacy of leaving remembrance, not just blessing his wife and children, but the scholarship fund, which will be an ongoing gift to generations to come to form your lives in a manner as Anthony Trimble did. I hope that you'll give. It doesn't matter if you have a large amount to give. Maybe the entire goal can be reached with one person's generous offering. Uh, or it might be just a bunch of uh, people who want to donate uh, an amount you would spend at Starbucks in a week. It doesn't matter to us, but we want to give you a cause. We know it is better to give than to receive, but we believe in mission giving, purpose giving. Therefore, uh, it's going to be very simple. Displayed on the screen and on your uh, cards that you have is a QR code, a quick response code. I learned today QR, uh, and you can take a picture of that with your cell phone and it will direct you to the process whereby it will be so easy for, to, for you to give throughout this conference each night, the offerings are donated and focused toward this cause. And we are honored to have Anthony Trimble's mother and father with us at this conference. Some of my dearest friends, I love Debbie and Tom Trimble. Truly, Anthony didn't fall far from the tree, as they say, but I've come to tell you it's about legacy at this point in life. So as you give, please don't hesitate to give avail yourself of this opportunity and give generously so that this legacy can live on. I want you to enter into worship as one of the great worship songs. And I, I said this once about Anthony. Anthony did not know how to write the blues. He only wrote praise and worship. You couldn't sidetrack him. You couldn't get him caught up in any genre other than praise and worship. Living like that he moved to the other side like that. And now all over the world, we grab his songs and dance with them as we worship his presence. I'm inviting Brother Tom Trimble. Now I want to say Anthony Trimble's daddy to come and lead this worship service. Shall we all stand? Make sure you give and participate in this gift of purpose giving. off of any crisis if Anthony taught us anything he taught us that don't look at the situation let's glorify almighty God amen
There's an anthem rising from the ashes There's an army rising up today Let the praises ring from every mountain Hear the nations lifting up your name Oh, there is none like our God Sing it out There is none like our God Every knee has to bow down Every tongue has to cry out a tower for those who are in trouble. He's a comfort for those who are afraid. Strong and mighty, he will win the battle. He's a savior and he will make a
conquered God. Let's sing it out. Sing it out. There is none like our God. Every knee, every knee has to bow down. Every tongue has to cry out. you just lift up your voice and your hands all over this place and call on the name of Jesus he's a mighty God come on that's it lift up your voice lift up your praise into him don't stop there don't stop there push a little bit further break past your routine break through your normal little five second praise Somebody lift up your voice a little bit higher. There's a power of God that wants to break out in this place. The Holy Ghost wants to break out in your mind. The Spirit wants to break out in your family. The Holy Ghost wants to break out in your heart right now. You need to push a little bit further than your normal little 20-second hallelujah. You need to push a little bit further. Hallelujah. If you keep expecting a breakout of the Holy Ghost, somebody just lift up your voice and call on the name of Jesus. Hey! Come on, put your hands together. Hallelujah. The God of the breakout is in this house.
on. And the Bible says that the shackles were loosed and the doors came flinging open. There's about to be a release of victory in this house. There's about to be a release of the miraculous. You want to lift up your praise and expectation right now. Hey, we feel the moving of
Somebody put your hands together and give God praise. Praise God. Lord bless you. If you can, you're welcome to be seated. I think this church ought to give this pastor and this church family a great round of applause. What a great word we just heard from Pastor Myers. When you're tasked to introduce a speaker... You typically do a little research. You try to find out a little bit about the speaker's experience, the offices held, accomplishments. But when you're asked to introduce Jerry Jones, you just use the words of Jesus and say, you shall know them by their fruit. Brother Jerry Jones has served his generation well. As a matter of fact, served the entire Pentecostal movement with divine excellence. And so it's my honor to bring to this pulpit the preacher. God, let's give that worship to the Lord. Let's praise Him. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise God! Praise God! Thank you, Brother Black. Your kind words, they mean a lot. Thank you. And, of course, the privilege of being here in the midst of this wonderful move of the Holy Ghost. And with so many good friends that I see in this congregation, it is a tremendous, tremendous honor. Thank you, Brother Myers, to the sponsors and the organizers. I honor the vision and the burden that has produced this meeting. And I'm going to tell you, my friend, that was some kind of preaching a while ago. Oh, hallelujah. In fact, I'm very tempted to just say what he said. Now come pray. And I think it would work. That was great stuff. Thank God. Well, let me say again, what a joy to be here. I better not start calling names. I'll leave somebody out and get in real trouble. But it is a joy to be with our neighbors and uh, friends, the Trembles, and uh, we love and honor them. John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse... Well, let's start at the first verse. 
There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. I don't know who we is, but most of his fellow fellow Pharisees didn't think this. We know you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone born of the Spirit. Let's praise Him for His Word, would you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for its power. Thank you for its truth. We worship you now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you. Please be seated. Oh, a little over 11 years ago, I was, um, I was trying to get my infant grandson to go to sleep. If you've never been there, you have no idea. And I, I, I tried, you know, I tried everything I could think of. And finally, I started singing to him. My wife would say, that's not much help. But anyway, rock-a-bye, baby, in the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. And when I started the next portion, the thought went through my mind. <clears throat> when the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. 
If this kid knows what I'm saying, he'll be up for a week. (laughs) Down will come baby cradle. Is this a lullaby? Have you ever thought about that? Why would anybody sing a song like that to an innocent, defenseless little child? If they knew its origin, they'd even be more scared. There's all kinds of theories. It's so old. But one is that when James II converted to Catholicism, the king of England, it caused quite a stir. But when he and the queen had a male heir, this song was pinned as a death threat against that prince. But you know, there is one redeeming quality. Uh, One thing that is rooted, I think, in truth, and that is this. The song doesn't say, if the wind blows, the cradle will rock. It says, when the wind blows. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to preach tonight that the wind will blow. Nothing can stop it. It's going to blow. You Floridians ought to know that better than anybody else. You can't stop the wind. So my sermon title tonight is not if the wind blows. It's not even when the wind blows. My sermon title tonight is where the wind blows. It's going to blow, but I want to be sure it blows. In your church, in your home, in your family. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. And this is the question that Jesus deals with in my text. Where does the wind blow? You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. So where does the wind blow? Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews, a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee, a leader among those who were trying to destroy Jesus Christ. Now, something happened to Nicodemus that changed all that. And I think we have an insight in John chapter 3. Because whatever his motive, Nicodemus made the mistake of sitting down face to face with Jesus Christ. (laughs) He didn't start out so well. Now, now when, you, when you look at this, he comes to Jesus by night. He begins the meeting with a 
particularly flattering and even a, a disarming statement. Rabbi, uh, uh, calling him teacher with a little touch of, of, of respect. Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do the miracles that you do except God be with him. Well, sounds pretty good. But when you understand what's going on behind the scenes, when you realize that Nicodemus is simply trying a new tactic in an old war, his fellow Pharisees, along with Sadducees, have been trying to get Jesus saying something that could be interpreted as blasphemous. So they could end him. So what you find over and over in the Gospels, Jesus in the marketplace, Jesus in the street, Jesus on the road, the question over and over and over is, who are you? He finally got tired of hearing it and he told him who, who he was and But here tonight, Jesus has grown tired of this unfailing question. And even when a sophisticate like Nicodemus has dressed it up in a party dress and put a little lipstick on that pig, it still didn't sit well with the master. We know you're a teacher come from God. Who are you? No man could do the miracles you do except God be with. Who are you? It's the same question. So Jesus does a very strange thing. He starts in the middle of a conversation. And it's even a different conversation. Nicodemus says, we know your teacher come from God. No one could do what you've done without being of God. And Jesus said, well, let me tell you, you got to be born again. He's answering a question that Nicodemus didn't ask. It's almost like he's saying, tonight I'm not interested in this tired old discussion. What I'm interested in is not who I am. I'm interested in you. I'm interested in the hurting and the hungry and the broken and the helpless. And here's the answer. Be born of water and born of spirit and you can enter the kingdom of God. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 What's really going on here is Jesus is using a teaching technique that dates back hundreds of years before Jesus came to us. It is often still used, seldom recognized. It is called 
a misunderstanding. What is it called? Jesus, it happens often. John records several occasions where Jesus deliberately used this same way of teaching a difficult concept. That's what he does to Nicodemus, this ruler of the Jews. Sit down over here in that little chair. I'm going to teach you something. What Jesus would do is he would present a truth using a metaphor or a double entendre, a word that could be interpreted more than one way, and he would throw that out there. And over and over again, the student would misunderstand what Jesus was talking about. He would usually interpret it literally or physically, just like Nicodemus. Can a man be born when he's old? What do you mean born again? Jesus actually used the Greek term anathen or anothen. It means again, but it also means from above. And Nicodemus misses it. So it gives the teacher an opportunity to correct the student and thus give him a double immersion in the idea. He can elaborate it. He can build upon the original statement. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I tell you that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I don't get it. Can a man be born when he is old? Well, let me tell you, unless a man is born of the water and of the spirit, he can't even enter the kingdom of God. And then here it comes. Because the wind blew. That which born of flesh is flesh. And that which born of spirit. I'm, I'm not talking about old people getting born again. Like you're thinking. What I'm telling you is water in baptism. And the Holy Ghost in baptism. Born of water. Born of spirit. And then you enter into the kingdom of God. That born of flesh is flesh. When we do it in our flesh, it's flesh. But that which is born of spirit is spirit. And then he states another mystery. And I've I've looked at this. I've studied this. And I still... There's still so much depth there. I don't feel I've come near. For the wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof. But knowest not from whence it comes. Or where it goes. Now that's a true statement. For Jesus time. That's a perfectly true statement. In fact understanding. The blowing of the wind is only a relatively recent accomplishment of science. In Jesus' day, nobody knew what caused the wind to blow. They didn't know where it was coming from. They didn't know where it was going. But what gets me is Jesus said, and so are they. 
that are born of the Spirit. Well, I've done a little study. And I know where it comes from. And I know where it's going. Now, if you were talking to a meteorologist and you would ask him, where does wind come from and where does wind go? He would say wind moves from an area of high pressure to an area of low pressure in the atmosphere. And I guess that's good for the 10 o'clock news, but it's not the whole story. Because what causes a high pressure and what causes a low pressure? If we're going to know where it's coming from and where it's going, we need to understand. And here's what I found out. A high pressure is a hot place. It's where the fire has been burning. And a low pressure is a cold place. And if you want to know where the wind comes from, it comes from the fire. And if you want to know where it's going, it's going into the dark, cold recesses of a lost world. If you get the fire going, if you want the wind to blow, if you want revival to break out, if you want the Holy Ghost to flow in the streets of your city, we got to get on fire because the wind comes. From the fire. Somebody ought to praise God right now. Hallelujah. Perhaps this relationship of heat and coolness and the power of the wind is the reason on the day of Pentecost when the church was born. Both of those phenomena are in evidence. They were in one accord and when play one place when suddenly there came from heaven the sound as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting where did it come from for there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire that set upon each of them when the church gets on fire when the flame of Pentecost begins to burn the wind will start to blow oh let's praise him let's worship him Dead, cold churches will not help our cold and dark world. Going through the motions, singing three songs, taking prayer requests, get the offering, preach a little sermonette, and go to the house. It ain't going to get it done. Pastor Myers already told us, we've got to get on fire. It's got to consume us. It's got to set us on fire. 
You know what heat is. You know what heat is. Heat is the excitement of the molecules in the air. When it's cold and dead, nobody's excited. They just sit there. Beautiful singing. I really enjoyed it. It's awesome. They're so talented. Wonder when that preacher's going to get on the floor. There's no heat there. There's no excitement there. There Ain't no wind going to blow out of that heart or that home. But oh, when excitement starts to build. When somebody gets to thinking about the miracles that are yet in this room. When somebody gets to worshiping and praising. That excitement is contagious. One molecule bumps into another. And that one bumps into another. And that one bumps into another. And before you know it, there's a raging fire. And the wind begins to blow. It's time to stir ourselves. It's too late for business as usual. It's too late to be professional Pentecostals. It's time to get set on fire. You still excited about Jesus? Or have you had the Holy Ghost too long? Have you sat through too many church services, too many sermons, too many worship services? Have you prayed for too many folks that didn't get healed? Prayed for too many folks that didn't get delivered? I challenge you tonight to get excited about the Lord of glory all over again. I'm so glad you mentioned that scripture where the house was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. That wasn't when they first got it. All of them already had it. But they got filled up with it all over again. Maybe we need to get arrested. Maybe we need to get threatened. Maybe somebody needs to say, don't preach that gospel anymore. But oh, if we could get excited about what God is still doing and what he is going to do. We could get the wind blowing. Get the wind blowing. you don't think it's catching, put your hand too close to the flame. I don't care how cold your hand is. If you get it near the flame, you'll begin to feel the heat. Quit sitting on the back and daydreaming through church. Come on down here where the glory is. Get a little closer to the fire. Get a little nearer. 
to the excitement of serving God. I am the Mashiach. We need the wind. We need the wind. And the only way to guarantee that kind of apostolic revival is for us to get excited about Jesus all over again. Larry Webb, is that you? We used to get excited at Old State Line, didn't we? Man, the Holy Ghost would get to falling. They'd start a victory march in that little old church. Brother Ann Slee Barber would go over into the side room. He'd get that big old drum out. And he played it with a tambourine. You talking about a racket. And they would be pounding that old upright piano. They'd be shouting at the top of their voice. People would get to dancing in the Holy Ghost. Somebody would get healed. Somebody would get the Holy Ghost. That's where we came from. And we need to go back. wasn't no sophistication in that little country church. They wore coveralls and brogans and they didn't care what you thought of them. They had one hope. Jesus is coming and I'm going to be ready when he comes. May I quote T.F. Tinney? Get you a good education and then get over it. If you've got a doctor's degree, I thank you. I, I can't imagine what, what all the effort and work. But okay, doc, get in the aisle. Get your hands up in the air. You may be a doctor, but you're still an apostolic Pentecostal. And if we're going to have a move of God, we got to get the fire burning. I am the high. I am the home. All right, I'm going to hurry. Three things we got to do to get the fire, okay? They've already been preached about, but here we go again. We got to pray. We need to rediscover the power of the prayer meeting in Pentecost. How long since we've had an all night prayer meeting? How long since we've had a round the clock prayer chain? We got to go back to our knees. We've got to go back to the altar. We've got to go back. Jesus said, if my people who are called by my name, that's us, will humble themselves and pray, I will hear. When our singers and musicians pray more than they practice, when our preachers pray more than they counsel, when our saints pray more than they read about the latest football game, we can get a fire going and get the wind a-blowing.
Secondly, we need to gather. You did an adequate job, preacher. But let me tell you this. Pastors are concerned because very few United Pentecostal churches are at the same attendance strength that they were before COVID. I have good friends who are still running 70 or 75% of what they had before COVID. Some of the very best are still 10% down. Now, I don't know what to say about that. Except this. If you're scared of COVID, quit putting your trust in Dr. Fauci and the CDA. Get off CNN, get off Fox News, and get back to the house of God. Because he is able. And if some used COVID as an excuse to slip out the door and not have to face the saints or the preacher. Shame on you. But like Pastor John said, if they'd have really been with us, they'd have never went out from us. So you can stay home. We're going to heaven and we're going to have a revival on our way. And lastly, we need to praise. It was the, it was, it was, uh, it was the psalmist who wrote, but thou art holy, O God. That inhabitest the praises of Israel. You want a fire? Get the God that is a consuming fire among us. Prayer brings him here. Where two or three are gathered together. There am I in the midst of them. Coming to church gets him here. And when we begin to praise him, God takes up residence among his people. And where he is, there is a fire. And where the fire burns, the wind Just remain standing with me. I don't want to burst your bubble, but I'm going to tell you, getting on fire for God isn't all about you. Yeah, if you hope to make the rapture, if you hope to go to heaven, you need to get on fire for God. But they need us to get on fire. Because the greatest highs, the greatest heat causes the greatest wind to pour into the coldest places. When they stagger in here and they're alcoholics or they're hookers 
or they're drug addicts or they've not had a square meal in a month. It's easy for us. It's easy for us to look at them and think, well, you know, I don't know why we would attract that. Let me tell you something. The more the fire, the more the wind. And the more that wind goes to the lowest, coldest, darkest. And they make wonderful saints when they get full of the Holy Ghost and they get their life touched by God. When the wind blows where they're giving up hope, where they're committing slow suicide, where the wind blows, it calls. It calls them. And one final point. If you're going to come up here, you might better hurry. It's filling up. One last point. You can't stop the wind. You get it blowing. Devil gets out there. Don't guard the wind. Them's mine. You can't have them. Tries to stop the wind. And Jesus said, well, you hear it. As it goes whistling by. But the wind bloweth where it listeth. Listeth here is an 1611 English word. That means determined. The wind makes up its mind. Where it goes. The wind says, I'm going after them. And the devil may say, no, you're not. And the wind don't pay a bit of mind. I'm going where I determined to go. And you can either stand there and get blown down. Or you can get out of my way. Because the wind blowing. Your town needs a Holy Ghost revival. Your city needs the wind to blow. Your church can change everything for somebody if we get on fire. You're here tonight and you're tired of sitting back there and longing for the wind and wishing for the wind. I've tried to tell you tonight, it's in our hands. It's up to us. We can get excited afresh. We can get enthused all over again. And we can cause a church to rise out of the ashes of trouble and problem and carnality and sin. And become a source for the wind of the Holy Ghost. That's why Jesus said, so is everyone born of the Spirit. We must set this world on fire to bring the sweeping power of the Holy Ghost. 
and it begins in you right now. If you're ready, if you want to start that fire back at your church, in your home, in your family. I want us to lift our hands right now all across this building. Jesus, I'm excited about you. Jesus, I believe in you. Come on. Start a fire. Get the wind blowing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus! Gotta be more to it than this. It's gotta be more than me going to heaven and everybody else lost. There's gotta be more. It's gotta matter. There's got to be a reason that I breathe air gotta be a purpose for me to get up in the morning there is no greater purpose than to help set a church on fire that the wind of hope might blow in the hearts of the hopeless Jesus Jesus Set us a fire, oh God, in this dark time. Make us a flame, oh God, burning in the night. They're going to worship, and as they do, maybe you'd like to reach out, somebody near you. Let's spread the flame a little bit. Let's join our excitement with someone else's excitement. God, spread the fire. God, spread the fire.
set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God.
too hard for God.
strongholds, and sickness and poverty must cease. For the devil is defeated. We are blessed. We are blessed in the city. We are blessed. We are blessed in the field. We are blessed. We are blessed. And when we go, and when we go, we cast down every stronghold, sickness and poverty must cease. For the devil is
morning, 10 o'clock. Come on, be early. Come early. Come expecting a great move of God tomorrow morning. Be prayerful for this conference, for every day that's coming up with this conference, that God will move mightily amongst us. We'll see everybody bright and early tomorrow morning. Amen. God bless you.